Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to have all of you here. I want to thank you for being with us. Thank you for your prayers and everything that you've you've done for us. Uh, last Sunday, uh, Sunday evening, we had our fall festival. It was last Sunday, wasn't it? Boy, it's running away from me. I, I was thinking it was. But uh, just to kind of give you a quick report, we don't know exactly how many people were here but we know that it was the largest that we've had yet, uh, and, and, and before that, any, the biggest one we had was around about 400 people. It's estimated around with the food and everything that we had, about five or 600 people were here. Uh, it, was, it was big. It was full of folks. They were everywhere, and all of you that worked to make that what it was, thank you for, the, for everything that you did, the pitching in and the helping out, uh, guys in the, in the Duncan booth and all that. It was really good. We're not going to talk about them, but, you know, you guys know who you are, right, Tony? You do, don't you? Uh, they had a good time, though. They had a really good time. And guys that set up for the music, Chad's actually here. Chad, thank you all for doing that. And uh, boy, I tell you, it just it, it, participation made all the difference in the world. And everybody that was here doing what, what you did, it was worth every bit of it. So thank you for coming and being a part of that. Don't forget now, next Sunday, next weekend, uh, is our homecoming weekend. We'll be celebrating... Uh, I think it's nine years in this location since this building has been built. Uh, it was built nine years ago, and it has been uh, made larger four different times since then. So we're trying to keep up with uh, crowds coming in and out and all that. It's, uh, it's just really, really been a blessing. Thank you. For those of you who don't know what that is, that is a Ricola. I asked her to bring me one of those just a while ago. So uh, thank you for that. All right. Let's, uh, let's, hey, Next weekend is homecoming. That's Sunday. Brother Ken Lynch will be here. But it won't just be Sunday. It'll be Saturday night, okay? So at 7 o'clock, uh, the group called Branded, which is a country Christian group, they'll be here. This is, this is the people on the board here. It's Brother uh, Ken Lynch, uh, who is actually the son of uh, Sister Peggy and Brother John here. Uh, they, that is, that's their son in Yazoo City, Mississippi. So he'll be here to preach. But Branded will be here Saturday night, beginning at 7 o'clock. Tell everybody you know, this is going to be the place to be Saturday night. If you've never heard, I've never heard these guys, I'm pretty sure probably none of you have, but these guys are, they're good. They're really good. They're going to come looking just like that. They're going to be in cowboy hats and cowboy boots, and they're going to sing about Jesus. Uh, they're liable to run in here on a horse. I don't know what they're going to do, but they, they just love Jesus. So I encourage you to come and be here right after that. Brother Ken Lynch to share a message, and then he'll be back uh, to share another message on Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon, we'll be having our Thanksgiving feast that we always have here, and we want you to come. Invite somebody to come and be with you. You will enjoy it, I promise you. Come and be here. All right, so in an effort to uh, keep up with what we've been doing, today is going to be the last message of our E3 series, which has stood for Exalt, Equip, and Evangelize. Exalt means what? Exalt Jesus Christ. Equip means to equip the believer or equip the church. Evangelize means to go out there and reach the world that you live in. We talk about uh, exalting Jesus because we know that no one is going to come to the, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ or saving faith through anyone else other than Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that it's Him that uh, under His name that all people are saved and none other. We know that the, uh, the equipping has to do with us here. As God gives us pastors and evangelists and people like that and teachers inside the church, we have been a gift to the church 
to be the conduit. You remember the, the analogy I gave you? To be the conduit that God funnels blessings into the church so that you are equipped to go out and do the third thing, which is the evangelized part, so that other people can hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to wrap up talking about this morning. I'm going to talk to you about a message that I've titled, The Cameo Evangelist. The Cameo Evangelist. I keep wanting to call that the Camo Evangelist, and it sounds like it would go well here in, in Bastrop with all the hunting that's been going on, but it's not a, it's not a Camo Evangelist, it's a Cameo Evangelist. Now, we can remember the story that we've been using. We've been talking uh, about Jesus uh, the, the parable that he told about the sower. And we went over into Matthew 13, and we even went into Luke chapter 8, and we read about those uh, of that parable and, and how that Jesus talked about the soils, and he talked about sowing seed. He talked about all these different things. And, and we can remember that, and, and we can remember uh, uh, how, how important that that is and, and what it's all about. Now, whenever we talk about stories that we can remember, whenever we talk about things that have happened to us that we, uh, we, we interact with other people, when we interact with other people, uh, we, we, can, we can quickly and easily give the details of those, of those stories, can't we? Like I shared with you when I, had, when I had the fish sitting up here, the mounted fish, I can tell you the story about that fish because I was there and I caught it. Whenever I told you about the deer, the, 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 the buckhead that I had here, I can tell you about that story. And the reason that I keep that deer head is not because of the size of the horns, but because it was the last hunting trip that I had where I killed a deer with my dad. And I can tell you everything about that story. But why don't, why don't you ask me about the last fishing trip that I had with my dad? I could tell you all about it. Have y'all got that? I want you to look at this picture right here. That's me almost five years ago, and, and my dad is on the other side of the camera. It's the last picture I have of my dad, and nobody knows that he's there but me. That's a five-pound bass. And I'm in Lake Wilson in Arkansas. It's the first time I fished in Lake Wilson that I can remember. Daddy may have taken me there as a child. But I remember before I went, I told all my buddies, I said, hey, I'm going up to Lake Wilson. I'm going to fish. And the guy told me, he said, take a black and blue jig. A black and blue jig. And so I did. And I was wearing Daddy out. That didn't happen very often. My daddy could catch a fish out of a mud hole. And I was wearing him out. But stupid old me, right after I caught that fish, I didn't retie my bait. You need to know that right before I caught that fish, I caught one. This is how it went. I pitched my jig in right beside a cypress tree. I caught a fish. I unhooked him, threw him in the live well. I pitched in again. I caught that fish. This, this was back to back. I caught him. And I said, Daddy, you got to take a picture. He took a picture. I threw him in the live well. I grabbed my bait, threw it out there again, and another one hit it. I set the hook. The bait, I pull it out of his mouth. The bait snaps off of my line and goes on the other side of the lake. I didn't catch another fish. Daddy starts catch, catching them on a black and red jig. And I said, Daddy, give me one of them jigs. He said, I don't have another one. And I really didn't have another black and blue one. Because he asked me earlier for a black and blue jig. And I said, Daddy, I don't have another one. He, you're lying. You're lying. But that's what we do as fishermen. We lie. 
right? Right? We don't, we don't tell them what we have. But I wasn't lying that day. I was telling the truth. I didn't have another bait. And, and so Daddy told me, I don't have another one. He was lying because he died. I got his tackle box, and guess what was in there? Piles of black and red jigs. And I, he was laughing at me, man. I know he was laughing at me. He ended up smoking me that day. He ended up wearing me out. Why is it that I can remember those stories? They tell us that whenever you, whenever you have a story that's, that's personal to you, or when it's baked in or burnt into an emotion, you'll never forget it. It'll always be there. That's why, ladies, you remember the day you gave birth. You remember it. It doesn't matter if, if it was all natural, if they sedated you, if it was C-section. It doesn't matter because it's one of the greatest days of your life. You give birth to, an, to your offspring. We, we remember our, our wedding days. We remember all these. That's why I'm telling you it's so important that you should be able to remember the day that Jesus saved your soul. Because that's supposed to be the greatest day of our life. Is it not what happens in the church? We have old hymns. You remember the old hymns since Jesus came into my heart? We sing about it. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. My sins, which were many, have been all washed away since Jesus came into my heart. You guys remember those songs. We have songs about it. But whenever it comes down to us opening our mouths and telling someone what Jesus has done in our life, it's almost like we just recluse and we have lockjaw all of a sudden. And we can't speak what happens to us. I'm here today to tell you that if you are a child of God, you have a reason to verbalize and speak what Christ has done in your life. You might not be the best there is out there at just talking about what Christ has done for you. But then you have that opportunity. When you have that opportunity, when you're one-on-one with that person, and it just all of a sudden, somehow or another, it comes up. You know, it, that conversation where they want to know where you go to church or what happened in your life or why do you act the way that you act? How is it that you have this hope that Peter says in your life? He says that you should have a response to people who ask you about those things. I'm glad you asked. It's because of what Jesus did for me. And then you start telling them the story. Whenever I tell you about this evangelist thing, when I talk to you about the cameo evangelist and I, and I tell you what it means to really be an evangelist and, and explain to you how that all these different people in life, how that they always think, and, and in our, our circles of church, we always think that an evangelist is a Billy Graham. We always say, well, it's somebody who is a traveling preacher, someone that goes door to door and they uh, knock on somebody's house door and they share Jesus with them, or it's someone who travels state to state and they preach. Guys, that's not a wrong definition of an evangelist, but it's not a complete definition of an evangelist because it's so much more than that. And if you'll give me just about, I don't know, 30 minutes, I want to explain to you what God has called you to. All that I've shared with you up to this point has brought you down to this right here. And if you can grasp what I'm fixing to share with you today, you can make some of the greatest impacts in our community. Are you willing to listen? Let's shoot. Let's go into it, all right? Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 
And let's see what's happening there in the book of 1 Corinthians. I want you to uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter, what is it? I don't forgot what, chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And we're going to get there in just a moment, but I want you to have, have that spot marked. The idea of evangelism is not as complicated as we might first think that it is. It's a little bit less intimidating if you think about what I'm going to share with you today. In fact, I believe that our concept of evangelism needs to be reevaluated. And as I shared with you earlier, uh, it's, it's not all about that traveling preacher, well, uh, well-polished guy that's out there sharing the gospel. That, it's just, there's more to it. So if we continue, and I want you to realize this, if we continue to limit evangelism in this way, we're never going to think of ourselves as personal evangelists. If we always say that, well, evangelism is for someone else, you're never going to think that it's for you. But if you can have an idea that evangelism really is a broader picture or, or on a broader scale than what we are thinking of it as right now as this traveling preacher guy, you're going to come into a place to where you learn that you have a bigger role in this story than you ever thought that you had before. Now, I want you to think about this, this process. Many of you have heard me teach of the process of sanctification. And in that, in that message series that I teach, I teach about how, how uh, the process of gold and how gold is mined out of the side of a mountain or in the ground and how that it goes through a process before it becomes a piece of jewelry, right? And how that is, it is burned and broken down, melted basically, and broken down and, and purified. I, that's how I talk about it. Well, in that, in that same way, if you take that process and you, you keep that process in mind, I want you to think about the process that you have gone through as a child of God, as as a born-again believer, think about that process and think about this question. How many people have been involved in the process of your salvation? How many people have been involved in you coming to where you are right now? Because if you'll take a look at that and really try to put a number on it, there will be hundreds, if not thousands of people who have been involved in your Christian walk. There have been people that you don't even know who have been involved in your life and doing the things that you do. Many of you have heard me talk about that, but you've never really thought about that. The thing that distracts most people from evangelism is the thought of having to do all of it. But before you decide that it's not for you, I want to read you these scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to talk about two characters here. One of them's name is Paul. Everybody knows Paul. But then there's Apollos. Many folks don't know who Apollos is because you've never heard of him, right? But this is what the scripture says. What, after all, is Apollos? This is verse number 5. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? We are only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. God is the one who gave the increase, the Scripture says. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who's, who waters has one purpose, 
and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. By each, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer, will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Two characters, Paul and Apollos. And so we have Paul who we all know, he's the, he's the one who has done much good for God. Whenever we look at him, he's, he's written most of the books in the Old Testament. But here, we also have this other man, Apollos. We don't know much about him. Apollos hasn't written any of the books that we know of that we call Holy Scriptures. But does that matter? Does it matter that Apollos is a, is a well-documented author or not? Does it matter that Paul is, is someone who everyone knows or not? He says, who are we? He doesn't say who. He says, what is Apollos? What is Paul? He takes himself and he sets himself down and says, guys, this has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with Apollos. He says, we are nothing but ministers. We're nothing but conduit that God has used to get the message to you. This is what he's saying. Paul and Apollos, they are fellow workers in the field of the kingdom of God. Paul said, who is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers who God used to help you believe, basically. God used us to share the word, to share the gospel. Now, if you'll remember, Paul said that the ministers that he speaks of here, himself and Apollos, if you go back to Ephesians 4, you will remember that I shared with you in the equip series or in the equip messages where he says that the ministers are the gift of God to the churches for the equipping of the believers so that they can share the message of the kingdom. So he goes on and he says, that's all that we are. Paul categorizes himself with Apollos as a minister in the work of the ministry. They are working together to bring about something bigger and something greater. But they also have the work of an evangelist. If you'll remember, I shared that with you. Now, let's think about the work of an evangelist. I want you to notice again what Paul says. He said, I planted. I'm a sower. I grabbed the seed, I scattered the seed, I planted. Paul basically says this, this is what I've done, right? This is what I have done. I grabbed the seed, I sowed the seed. That's what I did by myself. Then he says this, Paul, not Paul, Apollos, he, he watered. So he, he's basically saying this is what Apollos has done. What has he done? He watered. What are you? Are you a planter or a waterer? But does it matter? Both of them had to be done. Right? Both of them had to be accomplished. 
Somebody had to put seed in the ground. Somebody had to come along and water it. Paul is letting the people know that both of them have played a key role in these people's salvation. By doing this, they were doing the work of an evangelist. They were doing a singular job. That is what the work of an evangelist is. The evangelist is a person who is out there doing a singular job. When Billy Graham went up to preach, he preached. He was the one speaking. He was a singular person spreading a message, sowing seed to anybody that would listen. But was he doing the work of the ministry alone? No. He had crews of people with him to set up sound equipment and to get everything else ready. He was the evangelist, the singular, but there were many of them who were doing the work of the ministry. So God is calling you to do the work as an evangelist, but He is calling us to do the work of the ministry. You cannot do the work of the ministry by yourself. You can evangelize, but you cannot do the work of the ministry alone. So if Brother Frank is an evangelist, and I'm an evangelist, and Leonard's an evangelist, and Brother John's an evangelist, all of you are evangelists, and you're out all over the city of Bastrop or Monroe or wherever you are, and you're doing your work as an evangelist, you know what you're doing? You're sharing your message. This is what Paul said, I planted. Guys, you know what planted means? I shared the gospel. I told him my story. Go back and look every time that Paul shared the gospel. He told them about what Jesus did for him. And because of what Jesus did for him, he transitioned into what Jesus can do for you. Paul, Apollos comes back and he waters. He preaches the gospel. He tells his story. That's what you have to do. You don't have to have a bunch of scriptures memorized. You just need to know what Jesus did for you. Know what Jesus did for you. Be willing to open your mouth. Be willing to say, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The scriptures and all that stuff is going to come over time. Right now, all you have to do is drop a seed. Tell them what Jesus did for you. Apollos and Paul are doing that. They are sowing seeds. They are watering the grass. They're just doing whatever it takes to get the produce growing. And that's all he's calling us to do. So if Frank's on one side of the county and or the parish and John and Leonard and everybody, they're all in another place. You know what they're going to say? There's four of us guys, all right? And we all four go to the same church. They're going to say, hey, man, yeah. Yeah, come on down here. Come join us. Man, we're going to go to church. We go to church down there at New Life or wherever it is that you go to church. Whoever the people are in your congregation, they're going to be doing evangelism wherever they are. But you know what happens if each one of them were to bring someone to church? They come together as a corporate body and they do the work of the ministry together. That's why evangelism is so important and that's why you need to reevaluate it. Because every one of you, if there's 250, 300 people in this room right now, and every one of you are out there sowing seeds. Seeds aren't as big as this table or as big as me. Some of them are so small you hardly see them. Jesus said a mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds of this psalm, but when it grows, it grows into a tree that is bigger than any other in the garden. A little seed grows into something big. If 300 people this week 
said, you know what? I'm going to sow a seed today. All 300 seeds aren't going to fall on good ground. But what if one of them did? What if one of those seeds landed in the heart of the next mayor of Bastrop? And this mayor gave his heart or her heart to Jesus Christ. And they were saved. And the government of Bastrop turns from what it is today to a government that follows Jesus Christ. I know some of you say, man, that'll never happen. That's why your seed would never grow. Because you're, you're just not willing to sow it. What if your seed falls into the ground of the next principal of the school, of the next teacher, of the next pastor, because you dropped the seed? Could it change the world? I would say yes. Because if you are a child of God today, someone evangelized you. Someone sowed seed so that you would receive it. Someone somewhere did. Now, the work of the ministry, I want you to think about this. The work of the ministry is the entire process of what I'm talking to you about. Let's just look at the number line, okay? Zero to ten. Person at zero is not saved. The person at ten is saved. You with me? So how do you get a person from zero to ten? This is what scares most people from ever being an evangelist. So, man, I, I've got to take them all the way. I've got to get them from there to there, and I don't have any clue. I don't have any idea how I'm going to get them all the way from there, Brother Joy. How, how can I get them from zero? These people don't know Jesus. I can barely spell Jesus. How can I get them down here to where they're saved and they accept Him as Lord and Savior? And you get to that place, and you know whenever you get to the place and you think that you're the one responsible from getting them to zero to ten, you know what you're going to do? You're going to bail out and say, I am not an evangelist. You're going you're to walk away from the deal. How many of you have ever heard of cameo actors in movies? You've heard of these cameos? A cameo actor in a movie or a play or a film, any of that kind of stuff, is someone who has a very short part in the movie. Like they'll be there and they're gone. You, you might even forget that they were there. And then you've got those ones you're like, man, his, his part was awesome. Why didn't they give that guy another shot? He's just a cameo, just someone that comes in and out. I want to ask you today, are you willing to be in a, cameo, a cameo evangelist? Your job, your job might be getting that person from zero to one. That's it. Zero to one. Right here. Forget, forget about two to nine, two to ten, seven to two, whatever. Forget about everything else. Right here. And you know what, Lord? If you'll let me play zero to one, I'm willing to play zero to one. Because you know, there were people that played zero to one in my life. I had a parent. I had parents sowed seed I had pastors I had evangelists there were friends that loved me enough to say joy you shouldn't do this or I'm glad you are doing that they were willing to sow seed but you know what they weren't just willing to sow seed there were people that come along that watered those seeds there's people that I have never met some of the best authors in the world and I have read their books and they have fertilized and watered the soil in my heart, 
And they have made my spirituality blossom and bloom. And I've never met them. I may never meet them until I get to heaven. But God knows they have been fertilizers and waterers in my life. And they are making the fruit grow in me. They have increased my yield. And they've even made my spiritual discipline stronger. And I have no clue who they are. My question to you is, is, who's made the impact in your life? Who's done the little things in your life? Who's, that's, that's changed everything for you. Maybe you're that person today. You're that 9 to 10 person. You're that one that knows the Scriptures, you know what to say, and you can pick out a person that's on the very brink of giving their heart to Jesus Christ. And you go to them and you're like, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. And you, you have just the right things to say that just takes them right over that next step. I don't care where your part is. If it's zero to one, if it's nine to ten, if it's zero to ten, your part is important in the plan of God. It's just as big as mine. It's just as big as mine. Mine's just as big as yours. But if you keep your mouth shut, if you choose to do nothing, people are going to die and go to hell. You have to make a decision. Wherever you are, it's not hard. You've just got to be willing to say yes. Just be willing to say yes. Paul and Apollos, they could have fought over every bit of it. But they didn't fight. Here's the next thing I need to tell you before I'm ready to close. Are you willing to be a seed sower and still not reap the harvest? You might be the one who sows the seed. But you may not be the one God wants to reap the harvest. You might be a great planter. But you're sowing. I mean, you're harvesting it and worth a flip. You with me? And God knows that. You might be a, the, the best waterer that ever came along. But you know what? Every time you plant a seed, it dies. So God knows. And it took me a long time. To accept what I'm teaching you today. Five years ago, I could not have sat here and taught you what I'm teaching you right now. It took a lot of maturity on my part. It makes you feel like people just take advantage of you. They come into your life for a little while. You pour into them. You pour into them. At least it was valuable to me, I thought. You pour in, pour in, pour in. And then, poof, and they're gone. Whether they're at another church. Whether they just stop going to church. Whatever it might be. It doesn't make any difference. And it took a lot of maturing for me to come to the place where God says, Joy, you did what I wanted you to do, and I had to become satisfied with that. And so I become satisfied with it, and I'm like, you know what? That's great. And you ask people now. People have come to me. Some people, they say, Brother Joy, I, I just, I, got, I have to move on. I've got to go so and so. I put my arm around them. I say, you know what? I love you, and I'm here to support you, and I'm going to help you do whatever you need to do. If you need to come back, come back. And I'm here. I'll pray with you. I'll still help pastor you. I'll do whatever. But you need to be where God wants you to be. Are you willing to be a person who can sow the seed, water, and still not reap the harvest? Because you know, even though you plant, and even though I water, it's still God that gave the increase of all of it. And it's not about us. But if we at New Life Church, if we as a community in Bastrop, Louisiana, 
have the mindset that, you know what? I don't have to be some big TV evangelist. I don't have to be somebody who's standing on a stage with a microphone talking about Jesus. I can be someone who is sitting at a computer and someone right across in the next cubicle next to me. All I have to do is drop a letter over to them. And whenever they get back from lunch, they see it. Turns into a whole world of evangelism. If you're willing to just drop a seed. So the question is, are you willing to do that? Let our musicians come. I just want you to chew on that for just a moment. Let's pray. Father, I love you today. And I thank God that I've said what needs to be said. That we just need to be cameo evangelists. Just people who show up for just a short little while in someone's life. And I think if we really truly grasp the depth of that, we can make some big differences in people's lives. So God, I'm just asking you now that you'll just pour this idea out all over us and help us to realize that we really can make a difference in someone else's life. So Lord, right now, I want to kind of think about that person that may have never heard about you. Today they're wondering what they're going to do with their life. They're saying, who's Jesus? Pray somehow right now, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would pierce through the hard crust. Open their eyes so that they can see. And let, let this place right here be the end of themselves and the beginning of you. That this would be the place they die. Because unless they become a seed that's willing to be planted and die in the ground, so to speak, they'll never produce the fruit They'll never grow into anything beyond themselves. And today I'm asking you, God, that people would understand the magnitude of what we're telling them. Of how great they can become in someone else's life. But Lord, help them to understand that they are not supposed to be the greatest character in someone else's story. I'm not supposed to be the greatest character in my congregation's story. Because if they say Brother Joey did such and such in my life, they are forgetting about what you did in their life. So God, help us to forget about who we are. Help us to forget about who we are. We don't matter. We don't matter. We're just sowers. We're just laborers in the field of the kingdom. God, today, just give us a feed bag, a, a seed bag, that we can go out and scatter seed so that somebody can grasp the gospel for the first time. And I'm praying, Lord, right now, if there's somebody here, they don't know you, that they'll come to know you. And that, that the beauty of the kingdom would just blossom and bloom and take root in their heart today. Man, I am looking forward to what today is going to bring. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand, church. If you have a need and you'd like to pray, I'd be glad to pray with you today.
God, I give you what I can today. 